Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Good. How are you? Where are you? I'm in Santa Barbara, and you're in Paris. We're in two great places. Santa Barbara sounds pretty nice right now. Well, Paris sounds very nice to me. Hey, everybody. Rob Lowe here. Literally podcast. The talented Diane Kruger joins us from Paris, from gay Paris. She will be here with us imminently. Um, Ms. Kruger is also a first-time author, a children's book. By the way, I hear children's books are among the hardest books to write. So that's very impressive. Uh, Her book is called A Name from the Sky. Um, you know, like uh, actors have credits, they, you know, they work with lots of people and it's all in, and when I sort of pick a credit and obsess on it, it doesn't mean that I don't like the rest of their work. It just means that they were in something that I freaking cannot get over. And such is the case with Ms. Kruger. That's saying something. That's not nothing. Anyway, let's get to it. Diane Kruger. What brings you to Paris? Um, we're actually here for almost a year as a family. I was here making a movie over the summer and now Norman is about to start his, um, spinoff filming in France. Total coincidence. So, so this is the walking dead spinoff. Yeah. His, well, the, yeah, his, his character. Um, I'm not sure what, what it's called, but it's the Daryl spinoff. Yeah. In France. I know. Right. 
Oh, Who would have thought Daryl of the Woods? <laughs> mind boggles. Right. He's in the Bois de Boulogne. Probably. <laughs> and it is very scary. Um, you know, that show is legendary for a number of reasons, but not the least of which is it was one of the hardest shows in the world to shoot. Like crew members who I who I work with are like, oh, I did seasons three and four, or whatever, I did one and two. It's like they still have the like, tick bites the mosquito bites they're like yeah oh yeah i mean georgia in the summer is definitely uh a force i would love to get him in a secret room and talk to him about frank darabont and the season one versus season two all i i abs and look you can't argue with success Mm. i'm not the i'm not gonna argue with success that first season was unbelievable you know and darabont is um you know listen he made the only one of one of the few perfect movies shawshank redemption they say it's a perfect movie he, that's so yeah you know norman loves that movie he always quotes it too it's funny we'll see how it goes here norman did say you know then in heavy prep um he did say that the french team seems a little overwhelmed by the idea of like blowing up the apple tower or something like that <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. I, I working in in America versus working in Europe is is super different in a lot of ways. I did a show in in London recently, and like the the scene would be two people at a table, and somebody pulls out a gun, and there's a squib, whatever. And you would have thought we were doing the beach landing from Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> and I was like. On my show, 911 Lone Star, we'll have a plane crash sequence before lunch. Totally. It's so true. <laughs> but, you know, there's a charm to it. Um, in my movie that I just finished, I play a, a pilot, right? And so um, I had hours and hours and hours of training in, like, simulators, you know? Oh, wow. And I had to, like, actually learn to, like, push all these buttons, you know, to truly have it look like I'm flying the plane. And at one point I was like, it was just so complicated. It's all in French and yada, yada. And I was like, why don't we just shoot it in a studio? And we just, you know, I press any button and it does what you want it to do. (laughs) Yes. You know, and they're like, but no, c'est pas possible. No, no, no. We have to make it look like it's real. It was such a pain in the butt. Like, because, you know, when you push certain buttons, the, the simulation, like the, the sky, like I'm actually flying the plane, right? So the sky, I will, it will tilt or like the, the clouds will turn into rain or whatever, you know, was required in the scene. So if you yeah. made a mistake or whatever, the, it wasn't, it wasn't lined up right. You had to start over. It took forever. And let me ask you, because I, there was a, I did something where I was like playing a, an EMT, you know, emergency tech, gnarly rescue dude. And so you go through boot camp and you learn how to suture and you know how to do it. And meanwhile, what you realize, I, this is going to, this is the, this is the anti Daniel Day Lewis school of acting. But in all honesty, what you realize, in ter- if, if it were a play, that's one thing. But it's edited. It's going to be cut. They're going to be on a close-up. They're going to be on an over-the-shoulder. They're going to be all as they should be. Not cutting to avoid the fact that the actor doesn't know how to suture. It's not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's going to be in other things. And all you do is you put your hand below the frame, and you're doing 
framey framey movie 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 nobody and put your hand up snap a glove and fucking people think you're a genius come on <laughs> i mean i agree to a certain extent i mean it was fun to learn all that stuff but uh yeah i definitely after day you know 53 i definitely got a little frustrated with flying a plane or trying to flying a plane <laughs> what, what movie what movie is this you're we're talking about what is it? um it's a french film called visions you know and um i mean it'll be cool and i'm literally flying that plane in a could you fly a plane now? Like if, if we're going somewhere and there's a heart attack in the pilot, do you go up into the cabin and figure out how to fly it now? Could you do that? I wouldn't trust it, but uh, <laughs> at least I know which button to push to get the autopilot going, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. Now, you have so many things coming out that I can't keep track of all of them, but I hear you have a children's book coming out. What is it called? I do. It's called The Name from the Sky, and it comes out on October 25th. But during COVID, one of the things that happened is that I started writing a, a children's book about the meaning of names. Mm. So uh, my mom happened to be there because when I work, she comes to take care of Nova. And she told me all these stories about you know, me as a child and why I was named, what I was named as. And it just like started, um, you know, this whole thought process for me about names and, and we as parents, you know, the names we choose and the aspirations we have for children. And anyways, so I wrote a children's book called uh, A Name from Sky. I love that. And that's coming out October 25th. Yeah. And so it's about my name and Nova's name, Nova, Tennessee. Nova, Tennessee. I, but you're right. And, and it's, it's so funny. Naming kids is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's like you feel the weight, you kind of like feel like the weight of the world and like I've known, for example, say Gwyneth Paltrow, I've known her since she was 17. When she named mm -hmm. Apple, Apple, everybody was like ridiculing her and going, Apple, what? Meanwhile, like, I can't imagine Apple not being Apple. And what you realize, and my my brother, um, my, my, my first niece, he went with the name Mabel. And I remember like, Mabel, is she like an 80-year-old <laughs> hostess at a roadside diner? What are you doing? And because names conjure up things for people. And, and now I think Mabel is the greatest name I've ever heard. And it's Mabel. And, and it's you Mabel, people, yeah. it's, you know what I mean? You grow, you, you grow into the, to the name you're given. And then the other thing is, mm -hmm. um, longtime listeners of the show know that I'm obsessed with quoting Lauren Michaels, the great Saturday Night Live producer, because he's very quotable. And I remember um, having a hard time naming my second son. Because I felt like I'd gone through all the names and every name I thought of reminded me of some asshole I knew when I was a kid and I didn't, whatever. And Lauren has kids too. And he was naming his kids. And I said, w any advice? He goes, um, I think the King's names work the best, which made me laugh. Henry, you know, Charles. That's funny. <laughs> John. I think the King's <laughs> names. Nova's not a King. She's a star. She's a star. She's a star. Yeah, I mean, you know, in Latin, nova means new beginnings, which seemed very, you know, it was very telling for us. You know, Norman um, already has a son from a previous relationship. And, you know, it's kind of, we had her late in life. And so it felt like very meaningful. And, um, you know, I love the idea of, of the brightest star that changes all the time. And, you, you know, it's a new beginning each day, you know, that kind of thing. But I also feel like children no matter what your name is, if, even if it's Henry or John, like something super common, there comes that moment when you're like, oh, I hate my name and people make fun of you and you don't know why. <laughs> no, we do. I mean, I just, I hated my name. It was very uncommon where I grew up. 
Um, and I just think that, you know, when your parents tell you that story of what they thought about when they named you, it really gives you power, you know, and makes you realize how much they thought about who you were going to be and what you can do in your life. And so. That's right. Yeah. And by the way, I, I love the name Nova. That's the greatest. It's that's it, uh, a great it's a great name. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is you've done like 500 movies with Liam. It seems like <laughs> I've done two. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, two, 500. It's the same number. Same. Close. Yeah. You know, it's kind of fun to meet. I don't know about you, but it's kind of nice to meet an actor down the road a little bit. You know, it's been 12 yes. years and um, I mean, I have really great memories of him. He was really kind back then. And, and, you know, it's, you know how it is. Like you don't really stay in touch, but then you meet again and it's kind of your, you're picking up right where you left off. You know, it's like time did not pass. We're talking about Liam Neeson, who incidentally is one of my favorite people on the planet. I love oh, yeah, him you know so him. much. He's so cool. Yeah. I saw Liam in Anna Karenina oh. on Broadway, his legendary wow. pr- production. Um, And with Natasha Richardson, they... Mm-hmm met during that play and oh, wow yeah and um when he came on stage, he i mean I, i'll never forget he had like overalls on like <laughs> no shirt and overalls and he was like i mean it was like liam in his prime and it was just in this big hulking ripped <laughs> amazing and it was it was really really something and i remember when he got Offered Schindler's List. Wow. What an actor. And the fact that he, I was, I, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the arc of all actors' careers and that, you know, Anna Karenina, Schindler's List, and then at 60, 60, finds himself one of the biggest action stars in the world. Mm-hmm. You just don't yeah. know where the road leads. You, you never know. I know. And he really went after that. He tells the story, um, that he um, he wanted to do something different and he read the script and he happened to be at a dinner or something or some film festival with Luc Besson, who was producing it, uh, Taken. Um, mm-hmm. And he went up to him. He said, well, I'm probably not on your list, but if you, you know, I'd love to do this movie. And uh, apparently Natasha said, you know, it's going straight to video. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I want to do it. We just told the story, so it's really fresh on my memory. Uh, in my memory, and uh, yeah, and so I guess he—that's how he got it. And he also thought it was going to go straight to video. So <laughs> the rest is history. Exactly. Never know. I am. Um, I talked to who I want to talk. I feel. Oh yeah, it was the executive who was in charge of the movie at the studio who said, I read the script when it got to the speech where the famous iconic speech where Liam goes, you're going to be taken. <laughs> you know, where he's talking to the, you know, and then, and then when he talks to the guy and says, I have a very specific, very specific skill set, which makes me laugh to this day. That famous, <laughs> that famous line, the, the guy was like, I knew we were making this movie. Literally, I, it didn't matter what happened before or what happened after. I just knew that speech in a trailer would be would would work and it does it's one of the great i remember seeing liam give that speech on the phone i will come and i will kill you with my skill set 
It's the best. (laughs) Yeah, well, there you go. You never know, right? You just never know. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. Look, I love California. Um, And I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. So I love Inglorious Bastards. It's a great movie. Thank you. Um, I did not know until I was doing my research on you that apparently, and tell me if this is true, that that Quentin was not really by, was like, eh, Diane Kruger, maybe. I don't know. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, that's what I heard anyways, you know, because I obviously, for obvious reasons, when that movie came around and he was casting, um, I was like, well, obviously I want to, I want to audition for this. And yeah. I kept hearing, no, 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 no. He doesn't believe you're German. No, no. He wants to cast so-and-so. The role was written for so-and-so. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that didn't work out. That didn't work out until at the time, Harvey Weinstein called me. I'll never forget. And he said, listen, I got him to audition. He wants to audition you, but you have to fly to Germany. 
I'm like, what? I was in New York. And he said, yes, he won't see you in the United States. You have to fly yourself to Germany. And, um, and uh, you know, and I did. And so it was, uh, you know, one of those where you go, even though it wasn't written for me, I felt like it was. Like, I feel like yeah. I knew that part, you know, and it was such a tough audition. You know, it's, it, I felt like um, walking into a hostile, hostile <laughs> environment from the get-go. And the he made me learn so many pages. Like, I feel like they were probably like 12 pages in English and then 12 pages of the same scenes in German. Jesus. Um, and he was reading with me. It was just him and me. Nobody was taping. Uh, it's just the two of us. Um, and But it was one of those great auditions where when I was in the room – you know, I'd learned my lines. I, I was so prepared and I just knew what I wanted to do with the role. And, um, you know, his dialogue is like poetry. It really is like a very specific, um, mm -hmm. there's a very specific tone to it, a very specific melody. And I think that's why sometimes roles like this, when they're not American are tough to cast because a native German, I mean, I'm native German, but somebody who hasn't lived in the U S you know, it's very, uh, difficult to, to, understand the underlying meaning right the the, the irony the, the humor in his writing yeah yes and so i felt like while i was auditioning i felt the atmosphere just turn right he was like starting to laugh and i could feel him just like <gasps> be happy which made me of mm. course happy and and uh yeah the rest is history god that's i i always love well i don't love but uh, in fact i hate when when the feedback comes in that they're not interested. Right. And you're like, but, 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 but hello, <laughs> but, 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 and, and then what I love is, is when you, like you knew, you knew <laughs> the only problem was the auteur didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. One, one minor, minor <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, but let's look. And, and the other thing is, is, you know, there's a world in which you're like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not flying myself to Germany to do it. And you did. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt a little like, really, I have to fly there. You know, it, it definitely was like, am I doing this? But then I was like, you know what? A role like this is not going to come along. And mm -hmm. at least I can say I tried. And I was lucky enough to be able to do that. Right. So why not? Yeah. No, it's it's really true. It's a great it's a great lesson for all all actors out there that um, you know there always comes a time when you just gotta like suck it up and go do it. Particularly if you if you feel like it's the role of a lifetime and you believe in yourself and you mm -hmm. have a, a a way in. I mean, I I had that on on the West Wing when I they, I mean, I know that they saw me as a curiosity. Period. Mm -hmm. There was no way I was getting that part. Really? No way. No, it was like, you know who likes this? Rob Lowe. Really? Oh, and, you know, and, and it was one of those things where in the, like you say, in the room, and, I, and I, I read with Aaron Sorkin, like you read with Quentin, and in the room you could feel the temperature when I walked in, and then you could feel the temperature when I walked out. And it was right. like somebody had cranked it up 25 degrees. And and that always, and it just feels great. And, yeah. you know, it you know, I, I think careers always have that. There's, there's always going to be naysayers. I guess what I'm saying is there are always going to be naysayers. Yes. And, you know, I don't know about you. I mean, you've been around a little bit longer than me and obviously you've lived such a 
an amazing life and career. But I feel like, I don't know if it's because, or if I just feel that way, but certainly when I started out, you know, I started out as Helen of Troy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning. Good Lord. Yeah, exactly. And people were like, well, she's never going to do anything after that, you know? And then the movie wasn't received as everybody had hoped. And, um, you know, for so many years, that stigma of there's just nothing else that girl was ever going to do, you know, like stuck on me, like fucking glue, you know, excuse my language. So it took forever. And thankfully I'm European, right. And I made European French films and, and all that. So that kind of helped change the tide, but man, that was, you know, Hollywood definitely likes putting women in a, in a box, you know? Yeah. That was, um, I remember that movie, like it was yesterday. I mean, that's you know, Helena Troy. It's, I talk about iconic, right? Mm. I mean, just Brad in that wig alone. Probably might, yeah. might not have been a wig with Brad. He has a wig. He, he, it's so funny. I feel like he can grow his hair long overnight. I don't remember if it was a wig. He, I think you might be right. I don't, maybe he didn't wear a wig. I know Orlando Bloom had like extensions, but I don't remember Brad. Uh, so you get, so, in, so the other thing about Inglorious that I love is, I'll never, there's certain movies you never forget where you were when you saw them or what you felt when you saw them. And I remember watching the, the first sequence with Christoph Waltz and the farmer and turning to the people I was with and said, that actor's winning the Academy Award this year. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the scene wasn't mm -hmm. even half over. Mm -hmm. And he did. It's yeah. one of the great throwdown. And look, he, and what also is amazing is he's been working forever in Europe. Yeah. But completely unknown here. Well, I, to be honest, to be fair, I didn't know him either, right? And he did a lot of like TV, uh, like mediocre TV shows and stuff, you know? So like my mom had heard of him. I guess I asked her, you know, when I joined the movie. But yeah. I'm not sure that he was like a household name, you know? But he's a working actor. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, I, and that's the other thing I love is I love journeyman working actors as you say maybe from mediocre projects and they get the chance they get that chance and i to this day cannot name another performance that even comes close to what he does in that movie it's bonkers yeah and it, you know it was funny that um you know like quentin knew he always said that he wasn't sure he was going to be able to make this movie if he didn't find someone like Christoph, right and i will say like quentin just has this gift of finding actors maybe because he likes to act and he just loves actors himself you know mm -hmm. but that was such a rare find and he knew it like i remember uh at the table read you know which was you know how they are. It's like tons of producers and the studio and it's very nerve wracking. And mm. he had asked him to just read it, like not give any intention. And it was kind of odd because he had asked all of the other cast members to, you know, you give a little bit, obviously, right. You want to come it, make it come off the page, but he was super like flat. And I remember being like, that's so weird. Like I didn't see that part as being so, you know, normal. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what to expect. And I remember so well, like being on set and having my first scene with him and 
I mean, just like being like so taken aback of what was happening. It, I, I, you know, I couldn't stop staring myself. Like I had to remind myself, oh, it's your your turn to talk right now. You know, it was just so amazing. <laughs> I know it's that's so when at the so I'm curious at the table read. He's doing it flat, mm-hmm. and did it did it play like it like it played? I mean, that's a long, amazing opening of the scene. Did it play or was it just like whatever? It was kind of like whatever. Like he was just reading it. Yeah, totally. It was, it was, uh, I mean, not bad, like not like people were not like what's happening, but it wasn't like, it was not jumping off the page. No, not at all. And supposedly had told him like, I don't want anyone to know. Like just like he had told him, don't, don't read it better. I mean, you know, just read it flat. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I, I, I get that. That makes sense. Oh my God. And by the way, the farmer, is giving one of the great performances of all time. Yeah, Denis Minouchi. So I've made like four movies with him. Um, he's he's become kind of a big star here in France. He mm. was like, that's a find too, because he he really hadn't done anything before. And look at Leah Sedou. Like that was kind of one of her first gigs too. She doesn't even speak. It's an amazing, amazing movie. I have to ask you this. The, the movie theater is a set. Right or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what I don't get. I'm just gonna say it. I've done enough. I, I, I've it's. I've gone on record. I'm much I love the movie. That's the worst set I've ever seen. <laughs> that movie theater lot. Not the the, the interior. The movie theater with the red walls and it's too big. <laughs> it's way too big. I, I'm sorry. That's a horrible set. Tell me I'm wrong. Go watch. Go back and watch that movie. That movie's amazing. I have to go back and watch it. I, I I didn't shoot at it in it, so I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a bad set. It, I don't I'll know what's going on with that set. Okay, yeah, but I, there's there, <laughs> there, there's so much. The other thing I love, um, I always tell young actors that it really is true that the the cliche that there are no small parts, only small actors, because for my money. Everybody talks about the bear juice scene. It's a great scene. Brad's great in it. Um, and um, Eli's great in it. But to me, the scene is stolen by the German officer who ends up getting his head head bashed in. Mm. To me, he's amazing in that scene. Yeah. He has that moment where I think Brad's trying to make fun of him and going, what, what's on that? What do you have there on your neck? What are the decoration for? And I think he says, for valor. Or something like that. And it's so, it's such an amazing moment. And it's one word. And to me, the you know, Brad's got the extended jaw and <laughs> Eli's got the big speech and it's completely stolen by a guy with one line, in my opinion. I mean, I will say that there was a lot of rehearsal in in the uh, on this movie. Um, Quentin is is you know he's allergic to people in the background or small parts not doing their part, like mm-hmm. um, the scene in the tavern. Um, you know when he when when they like the big shootout mm-hmm. that we rehearsed that scene for about a good ten days, and when we were filming it. It was kind of like a play. We all had to be in the scene 
the entire time, whether or not we were on camera or not. It was exhausting to film it, as you can imagine, because you're on mm. all the time. But, uh, you know, from playing the game, uh, from doing shots and smoking, no matter if the camera was on me, on Brad, or, you know, on a day player, um, it would, we were on the entire time. And I really do believe that you feel that, you know, you can, te- you can tell everyone was engaged. Is attention to detail. How long did it take to shoot that? So that seems what, 15 pages, would you say? Yeah, that's the really, long. I think it took a good five, five or seven days, like more than a week for sure. I, 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 I'm surprised it didn't take more than that actually, but that, yeah, that's un, unbelievable. And that's, and Fassbender had done what at that point? He, he, that was sort of early-ish Fassbender, right? Yeah, but he'd done that one movie. I can't think of the name now, uh, you know, where he lost all that weight. Um, people were excited about him. I remember that. I remember when they told me he was cast, that, that people were like, oh, hunger, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So people were really excited about him. Um, and I totally got why. Like, he was just a star on set. Like, people were just all over him. He was amazing. He's an amazing actor. He's one of my favorites. For yeah. sure, one of my favorites. I mean, the guy, the guy's in, I could name five movies off the top of my head that he's a killer and just a killer. Yeah. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com slash Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.5. For seconds, it is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, 
comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Quentin, I love that he makes people give up their phones. Was he doing that on that movie where you have no phones, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets personally offended. Like, I've, I feel like <laughs> late, late in the game, someone snug in a phone and it went off. And he just, I think he called the day, if I remember correctly. Like, he just, like, left. Like, he was so upset. And, I, you know, I get it to a certain extent. I mean, I totally get it. Like, he is so engaged in his movie making. I mean, it's his world. That's all he wants to be and do. And it's his life, you know? And he wrote it and he's like, so I, I get it. It's so disrespectful having a cell phone go off in the middle of a, of a take. It, yeah. It's amazing going from the great directors like a, a Quentin or I, and what you're describing in I did a movie with Steven Soderbergh a couple of years ago and, and the way they, the vibe on the set, cause they have the same, for the most part, they have the same people, you know, they have their, their Spielberg is the same. They have a team, they have a team and everybody knows the vibe, but the attention to detail on those movies is unbelievable. I mean, I, I've also then on the other bit on sets where literally the dolly grip while he's pushing the camera is checking the Dodger score. Oh my God. Literally. What? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess not every movie set is the same, but yeah, I, I, that's pretty tough for me to accept. I remember, um, you know, working with an actor who, uh, out of the periphery of his eye saw someone from the makeup and hair team way, not, not in his eye line, way off in the distance, reading a magazine mm. and was like, I'm out. I mean that, by the way, that ship, that, that protocol etiquette ship has sailed unless yeah. you're working for Quentin. I mean, it's all hands on deck. People are checking their phones They're you know, they're, it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, look at it this way. It's, it's, it's the modern day equivalent of, you know, I remember being blown away when looking at pictures from crew, from crews in the forties where they wore suits and ties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the same thing. It's just, well, it's like all of our society, our whole society is devolving, but don't get me started. I'll go on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've definitely been, I've definitely been guilty of, you know, having my phone on set, not, on, not every set. I, you know, I don't do that, but uh, I mean, in between takes or a dolly person checking the phone while they're working, that's, that's, that's tough to accept. I will. Yeah. I mean, look, and I, and I'm on my, I'm on my phone all the time too. So I'm, I'm as guilty of it as, as next. Um, the, uh, oh, and God, I forgot Eric Bana was in that, was in Troy with you. What a great actor he is. Oh, what a great actor. He's another good He's one. so awesome. Yeah. Oh, um, Nicholas Cage or Nicholas Coppola, as I like to call him. You know, when we were when we were doing Outsiders, he you know he's Francis's nephew, and he would show up, Nick Nicholas Coppola, and 
Then I remember like four years later, it was Nicolas Cage and starring in Valley, Valley Girl, and the, the rest is history. Are they going to do – there's all these rumors about a new national treasure. Have you, have you heard anything? Yes, no? No, I haven't heard anything about the third movie. It's, it seems a little late in the game now. Um, they, they did try to make, make me do like a day on the TV show, but I just – I wasn't available. Um, but, you know, I had a great time on, on that movie – primarily because of Nick. I, I don't know what your memory is of him, but I found him to be so fun and so nice and so hilarious. You know, one of the hilariously one of the, quirky and crazy. Um, one of the most hilarious. Yeah. Quirky. I mean, at one point it's funny that people people always talk about like Leo and his posse or the brat pet, <laughs> but nobody ever talks about the fact that Nick Cage Charlie Sheen and Carrie Elways formed a club called the Stingrays, and they all have tattoos. They have a, a tattoo that they all had, and it was a it's a stingray in a shower. Okay, go figure. But like, where's that? That's that's, that's legendary Hollywood stuff that nobody talks about. I, I, I'm so curious about that because when I worked with him, obviously that was long in the past. You know. Yes. So I don't really know much. I mean, he would tell some cool stories, um, but I don't know him like that. I, you might, but I don't. Yeah, those were great, great days. You also worked with one of my favorite people, Dennis Hopper. I Yes, my first movie. Oh, my gosh. Then it says mm-hmm. 2002, and he was – I got to know him really late in life. Um, mm-hmm. And I ne- obviously never knew the crazy Dennis Hopper, you know, of, <laughs> of legend. Um, and he was just a lovely, lovely. We, I think, I feel like we both got sober at the same facility. Um, and that's how I, I met him through sobriety. And he was, okay. he was the absolute. He was the absolute greatest. And, and getting him talking about Apocalypse Now stories was maybe my favorite thing. Ever. I agree. He told a few of those. Yeah, I, I, I loved him. I mean, he definitely had a temper and he was still a little crazy. Um, Amazing. I mean, I have some great stories about him for sure. He was, he hated my co-star. And he was so upset that he wouldn't, as days went on, he wouldn't even talk to him. And this big scene was coming up um, between the two of them. He didn't want to do it because he thought he was, you know, he just didn't like him and he didn't think he was any good. And I mean, that whole movie was a disaster, by the way. But regardless, he told the producers, I'm not doing the scene. I'd rather do it talking to a goat. And that's what's in the movie. He did the scene talking to a goat. Come on. No, for real. It was it was pretty amazing. (laughs) That's that might be one of the great stories I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> talking to I'd rather talk to a goat. Yeah. I might I have to use that. I might have to <laughs> use that. I've got some actors sometimes I'm like, mm, really? Talk to a goat. And I can say it's good enough for Dennis Hopper. It's good enough for me. Yeah. You've worked with so many great, great actors. I mean, you really have. Ed Harris. Yeah, I feel yeah, for and Ed was I, I call him like a mentor. Um, I mean he wouldn't, but um I was very green, you know, when we did that movie and he played Beethoven and he was just, you know, I was still trying to figure it out and just trying to get a grip of my emotions <laughs> and how to 
dose them and handle them and all that stuff. And um, he gave me some pretty great advice and he was very generous with me. I, I'll never forget. And, and um, he prepped with me. He wanted me to do really well. Like I really appreciated him as a person. He's one of, he's so funny. Like I remember filming in Budapest and you know, one of the great cities, great food, yes. great everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember getting there and checking into the hotel and it was kind of late. <laughs> I said, Oh, I'm not gonna stay in. I'm gonna go and get some great goulash or whatever, you know, going out. <laughs> and as I'm the hotel is right in the center, and as I'm leaving, I'm crossing the street and there's like a McDonald's like on the corner and you know, bright neon lights. <laughs> there's Ed Harris eating a burger in fucking <laughs> Budapest, you know, like <laughs> I like. I remember knocking on the window. I'm like, "Really? This is your first meal of the day? <laughs> a burger at McDonald's in Budapest?" It, it's it, or as when I'm abroad in places like that, I call McDonald's the American Embassy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> my uh, my Ed Harris. My only Ed Harris story is. My wife, before she retired, was one of the great makeup artists who specialized in doing men. And she did Al Pacino and Alec on Glengarry Glen Ross. And so I went to, to visit and I was sitting in the makeup room, but I was reading the paper. And I guess Ed had come in and hadn't seen me and was like saying to my wife, you know, who was still is an amazing looker. I mean, she's just like, I mean, I was like, wow. And Ed going, so, <laughs> so you really, you're dating that Rob Lowe guy? You still dating him? <laughs> and I just, and I just folded the paper. Yeah, Ed, she still is. <laughs> he, he also has a great moment in Glengarry. Another movie I'm obsessed with. It's like, like Inglorious, one of the great opening sequences of all time. Alex famous, always be closing. Coffee's for closers only. That speech, um, which I got to be there to watch, um, he gets in Ed's face. And all those guys, I was there, so I, this is not apocryphal. I was there. Those guys hated it. They hated being clinicked mm. by this young, handsome, amazing actor. They hated it. And part of it was the characters hated it too, right? So yeah. they're, you know. But but it was also personal. It was. Nobody's going to tell me it wasn't. I saw it. And Ed in particular. And there's this great moment where um, where Ed goes, what's your name? He goes, what's my name? Uh, my watch costs more than your car. That's my name. <laughs> and he does it right in Ed's face. And Ed does this little, and Ed doesn't have any lines. He can't react. This is not, you know, it's David Mamet. You're not going to be, you're not reacting. If you have no lines, you got to shut up and take it. And you could just see him seething. And he, he does this great little thing with his hands where he sticks it in Alex's face and goes like, meh, 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 meh. like, like a, like puppet, <laughs> sock puppet hands. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like <laughs> he, he got to get back at, at Alec a little bit without having any dialogue to do. Any lines. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was, was pretty cool. Um, what, uh, how was your COVID experience? You've been in Paris this whole time? No, no, no. We, um, I was working in LA when we got shut down. And so we were kind of in LA for a year and a half. Oh. In our house. Yeah. 
So actually it was, I mean, you know, given the circumstances, it was, it was uh, a lovely time for the family um, in a way, you know, Norman and I, I don't think since we've been dating really had to spend ever that long of a time, you know, uninterrupted you, and our baby and you was made very it. young. And you made it, you made it together. And we made it. I you know. made it. Right. How was it for you? <laughs> It was, I worked the whole time. What? I, I don't know how. Time? Yes. I worked more during COVID than I did in my career. I, it was insane. Know. I did, yeah, a bunch of different, I mean, I did two, I started this podcast. I filmed two seasons of a massive show. It's 911 Lone Star. It's the Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. action show for, for Fox. It's massive every yeah. day. Um, and I did something else as well. And how come they didn't shut down? We were the, f- well, COVID happened in it, everything shut down March 12th. I remember cause my birthday is March 17th. So March 12th, the country shut down basically. And that happened to be our hiatus. Oh, and by the time we were ready to get up and running, they had figured out the co- protocols, but we were one of the experimental, um, shows to come back and see if it could even be done. Right. And um, we were able to do it. And I escaped having COVID until just literally like about eight weeks ago. I finally got it. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. How was it? It was like our super, 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 super duper, ooper, horrible flu. And I got over it. But the thing that was really, the thing that I was the headline for me was how long it took me once I was clear and, um, testing negative to get my, um, energy back. That was really, really? gnarly, super gnarly. Like I'm, were you vaccinated I'm, by my ass? Fully vaccinated, fully everything. Huh. And, um, I, I'm the kind of person that happily works out every day, loves it. Or like I, I can go from 18 holes of golf to the gym, to a surfing session and not think anything of it. I could not do anything except wow. get through my day and nap. It w- and I thought, is this going to be my future? And it took like three weeks. And then it came back like that. Wow. Super exhausting. Yeah. I mean, we finally all got it from our daughter. She came, you know, she got it at school, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. But just now, like over Easter. And I have to say, I had just gotten my fourth shot two weeks before I you know, I had, I were, I, I had no symptoms because I don't, I just knew because of a, you know, I was getting tested for work. Yeah. And so I, you know, called Norman. I said, you have to get Nova out of school. I'm testing positive. Like I'm sure she has it sure enough. And then he tested positive as well. For me, it was like one night didn't feel great, but I've definitely been sicker in my life. Woke up like nothing ever happened. Nothing, like nothing. Amazing. And then Norman, he had like he only had three shots, and he was uh, he was pretty sick for three days, like fever and stuff. But I I literally have a Q-tip stuck up my into my cerebellum, like <laughs> yeah, it's like it never ends. I'm checked every three days. It's been every three days for two and a half years, and it's like I wonder when it's going to end. It may never. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. It took so long for you. That's crazy. 
But I guess it's a good thing. I thought I was not going to get it. I thought maybe I have a blood type or maybe all the vaccinations or whatever. I thought I was never going to get it. And sure enough, whammo. So we were able to get through it. But I look back at the footage. This is a, it's a new show I have on Netflix coming out in April. And I look Mm -hmm. at it, at some of the shots and I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) You can see it. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Really? Can we do some special effects? Because I look like a sick mofo. So how long do you have to take a break now? Is it five days or is it still 10 days? It's five now. Five, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's officially five in it. You know, it happened on a Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we're, you know, wasn't so bad. Yeah. Good. As those things go. Um, tell me, okay, you're in Paris. What is your favorite part of Paris? Because I love that city so much. It's such a great city. I love it here. I mean, I, you know, I used to live here for 25 years. Oh, I so, didn't know that. Well, that's a long time. Oh, so you yeah, really know it. I went to drama school in France and started out really making French movies. So oh, wow. I, you know, I've had a place here right up until I was pregnant. And then um, I sold my place to the late Karl Lagerfeld because it was no a way. Yeah, walk up and it was right. We were neighbors and he wanted it. He bought it for his um, assistant. Wow. Um, and, you know, if I was pregnant, I was like, oh, you know, we'll just buy another place that's more kid friendly when, when she's born. And as, as things go, of course, uh, it's not so easy to travel with, with a kid and, and mm-hmm. Norman being an American and, and working a lot there. That didn't happen. So truly, this has been the biggest gift. Like, it's just total coincidence that his show would go here. And I you know, this is my first French movie in almost two years because of COVID. And we're in the same, renting a place that is on the same street that I used to live at. And he's loving wow. it. And Nova, you know, is going to school here uh, for the few, for the, for the year. We're loving being here. It's so nice to be out of New York for a minute. Well, this has been so great. Thank you for coming on the, the show. <laughs> Thank you. This is great. I'm going to read the book. I want to get it and read it. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Take a walk around the city for me, please. What a lovely person. Great stuff. Really, really great stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. All right, just one more thing before we end today's episode. Let's check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob. This is Lori from Ann Arbor. Go Blue. Uh, My question is, if you prefer comedy or drama, I love that you seem to transition seamlessly from comedy, like The Grinder, which was canceled way too soon, and Austin Powers, et cetera, to bad influence. Do you prefer comedy or drama? And which do you find harder to do? Keep up the good work. I enjoy your podcast and your books as well. Thanks so much. Bye. Oh, thank you. As, as, as an Ohio State Buckeye, you sound like a very nice person for somebody from Ann Arbor. Um, <laughs> here's the problem. I like them both equally. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it's an issue. Because if you like one more than the other, you kind of just end up doing one more than the other or 
you're known for that and you don't have to push to be able to do both. Um, I'm really lucky that I can do both, like to do both, and that people know that I can do both. So I, I do both. In fact, as we're recording this, I am uh, shooting season four of 911 Lone Star, drama, intense, you know, hero stuff, and shooting a new show from Netflix called Unstable that is a, it, it's a goofy, insane, absurdist comedy. And really, if I can't service both my hero and my nerd, then, then I just don't feel fulfilled. And it enables me to go back and enjoy whichever one I haven't been doing. So, um, which is why I've designed this for myself, to be able to do a drama and then on my hiatus do a comedy and just rinse and repeat. Um, but I love the fact that you like them both. And um, that's, uh, that's really gratifying because um, a lot of folks don't get that opportunity and I've been blessed to do it. Thanks for calling. By the way, um, don't forget to send a link of our show to your group chats. Because um, uh, a couple people have come up to me and gone, I, somebody sent me a link of the podcast. I didn't even know it was on and I just love it. So I would love that. Um, pick somebody you think might enjoy what we're up to here. Um, and in the meantime, I will see you next week because we have amazing stuff coming up. Um, and you have been listening to Literally with me, Rob Lowe. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our research is done by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music on this podcast was composed by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.